and welcome to the sixth season of Scene to Song, a musical theater podcast for people who love to discuss, critique, and celebrate musicals as a literary art form. I'm your host, Shoshana Greenberg, and each episode I'll bring on a guest to talk about a musical, musical theater writer, or a topic or trend in musical theater. My guest today is Jamie Cowperthwaite. Jamie is a composer, lyricist, and playwright, and the recipient of the BMI Jerry Harrington Award for Outstanding Creative Achievement in Musical Theater. His short musical, The Caribbean Queen, written with composer Salomon Lerner, was published in 2017 as part of Keene Theater's Keene Teen series, and his short play, Hillary Clinton in Hell, won Best Comedy at the 2020 Apollonia Theater Festival. As a music director at the Possibility Project, he co-created nine full-length musicals with New York City teenagers. He is currently pursuing a master's in social work with the goal of helping people who struggle with addiction. We're going to talk today about the Stephen Levinson, Benj Pasek, and Justin Paul musical, Dear Evan Hansen. Hey, Jamie. So great to have you on the podcast today. Hey, thanks for having me. This is really fun. I'm excited. Yay. Well, we will get started with our get to know our guest questions. What was your first experience with a musical? Um, I mean, my, I think if I really am honest about my first, first memory was going to see Annie. Uh, I don't know. I don't think it was Broadway, but I remember crying before it started and my mom asked me why I was crying and she told me this. I remember uh, because, um, and I said, they're not going to start until everyone's quiet. So that was like my first, first experience with theater, but I don't remember anything about the show. So I don't really count that. But I think that like a couple things that come to mind was one, seeing cats on Broadway and being able to go up and like talk to Deuteronomy in the middle and that set just like blew my mind. Um, and then, but then my, my actual sort of thing was in middle school my uh the middle school did the older kids did you're a good man charlie brown when i was in like second grade and that just like blew me away the set and this the one where lucy my friend's sister marina her older sister was playing lucy and she came down off the stage into the space in front of the stairs and sang that song um i just looked it up recently i don't think i ever knew the name of it little known fact and um and it's all about the snowflakes going up and i just it was like how does she do this like how is she so good at this she is just like, it, it just blew my mind, like the whole thing. I don't know. And, and um, so that's, that's what I would really count as my first, like, love of theater thing, you know, where I really got that like, magic, um, which is how I still gauge theater experiences today. What is the last great musical you saw? Uh, that would be A Strange Loop. Uh, I saw that on Broadway. Um, in the most recent incarnation, I saw it a few times and over the years, but um, I just think it's unbelievable. I love it, as do so many people. I don't know how you feel about it, but um, if you've seen it, I'm sure you have. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I definitely yeah. love it too. Definitely one of the best things I've seen recently. Yeah, it was, I just, to me, what I love about it is it's a great example of a show where the subject matter is sort of like very mature and sophisticated and, and certainly not for kids, but 
it is a big old crowd pleasing musical like the mechanics of it the the songs the melodies that and so i love that about it it's mm-hmm. not one of these like take your medicine musicals it's <laughs> like, it, it, it is like you know uh there's something for everyone in it you know i think and um my mom who's 84 actually saw it and she's not what i i actually told her i don't think you should go to this because i don't think you're gonna like it but she was like, well, let's just try it. And she loved it. Oh, nice. I like that attitude. Let's just try it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She and her friend Martha, they loved it. They texted me right afterward. We actually had an amazing conversation about oh, theater. Nice. And I got teary-eyed just talking to them about it because I couldn't believe that they were that they had seen it and that they loved it. It was a really cool moment. What's yeah. a musical that people would be surprised to find out you love? And why would they be surprised? I would say Legally Blonde, except most of my friends aren't surprised because I talk about it a lot. Most of my theater friends aren't surprised. But I love that show. I think it's so well done. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot that I love about it. And um, so if you know that about me, you wouldn't be surprised. But if you know that about me, you might be surprised to know that I also loved Robert Wilson's um, version of Three Penny Opera at BAM. I thought that mm-hmm. was fantastic. So. You know, sometimes I feel like I get caught between the highbrow, lowbrow thing a little bit. And I tend to go like middle to lowbrow. It's sort of my default. Yeah. Depends how well you know me, I guess. Ah, no, I feel that. I feel the highbrow, lowbrow uh, <laughs> pendulum inside. <laughs> <laughs> it's just in musicals is a central. I feel like it's a really big thing in musicals because it is this popular song and dance form. And it's very i think inherently kind of lowbrow in the sense that it has to be instantly accessible to a mm-hmm. general audience what's your favorite musical no one else has heard of what i what i ended up thinking about was shows that i saw at nyu that i love people's thesis musicals and mm-hmm. um so i really loved um uh, uh the wonderful visit by my classmates jake Brandman and scotty arnold i thought that was just fantastic they didn't really work on it after Afterwards, I also remember really loving um, Jennifer the Unspecial by Matt Metzakappa, um, which I also don't know that he did anything with afterward. That one has had yeah. uh, oh, has. production, little productions okay. uh, here and there. Uh, Cynthia wrote the music. Did she? Yeah, I, yeah, that would make sense. I don't. I loved how it wasn't afraid to use. You know, they had like potions that make people fall in love, and I just think that fantasy element always help, can often help a musical you know mm-hmm. which i think is one of the reasons why i really like dear evan hansen is that it's not it doesn't start with like witches or you know gangsters it doesn't start with some big colorful world it's one of the few musicals that i really like that is about kind of ordinary people um yeah that's a challenge in a way you know if you're trying to write a musical and it's just about if you're starting with we're in Oz and we have witches and we have wizarding school, it just gives you, or even legally blonde, you know, mm-hmm. sorority girls and they've got a language. And I mean, I, that just gives you, it's like the wind is at your back as, right. a, as a creator, I feel like. Um, so what, uh, sorry, if you could require our government leaders to see any musical, not necessarily playing right now, which one would you have them see? I mean, what first came to mind was Hedwig, but I'm honestly not sure that would do much. <laughs> I think it would, the people who you would want to like it would like it, and the people who you feel like should see it probably wouldn't 
wouldn't right. like it or, you know, I mean, in a way I would say if they haven't seen it already, probably Hamilton, just in the sense of like that feel good kind of love letter to America, mm-hmm. because I feel like that's kind of what we need right now in this country is like, you know, ultimately we, we want to try to keep this country going, you know, and keep it together. Like whatever we think is wrong with it. And everyone seems to have a different idea of what's wrong with it. I think it would be worse mm-hmm. if it all fell apart. You know? And so right. it's hard to tell that to people who aren't feeling like they're getting a, getting a raw deal, who feel like they're getting a raw deal to say, well, it could be worse. I don't mean it like that, but I just mean like, it's, um, it's worth, I think it's worth saving this country. It's weird to be that we're even in a position right now where <laughs> where it seems like that's an appropriate thing to say, but right. it does to me. Maybe I'm on Twitter too much. But, <laughs> um, so I would say Hamilton. Um, what is a moment in a musical that you think gets to a complex emotional state you didn't think was possible to get to? I love this question because I feel like my favorite moments in musicals are exactly that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think You Will Be Found, which we're going to talk about later, yeah. fits that bill for me. It's like this sweet, beautiful, sweet, not in the sense of lovely, but like this just very thing that we long for, which is being, I mean, it's just connection. It's everything you want. And it, and it, we're all coming together. It's like one of those sports montages where everybody's rooting for the same team. And, you know, the way they escalated out to the internet and people are saying, you've got to read this, you know. To me, it just gets to this social media phenomenon that we have of so badly wanting to believe in, in goodness and in heroes that people are sort of like, you know, this guy fed all the dogs on his block. You know, this <laughs> yeah. be, be more like this guy or, you know, this person heard that, you know, just and we take these little things and we know nothing about these people, you know, and sometimes these people that we hold up for 10 minutes on the Internet turn out to have really complicated lives like we all do. It really taps into this thing of like, we all want to believe in that moment that Evan is this, you know, guy who was the one guy who was there for Connor, you know, now we all have to be there for him. And it's, and, you know, he has gotten himself into this really terrible situation. And so to me, it's that, and it's not just to me, what I love about the show is that there's something that I relate to about it, about coming out as a teenager Mm -hmm. into the world and like, um, having my way here's how I'm going to get through life and it's totally unsustainable you know and mm-hmm. you're just going along and it eventually eventually you crash and have to kind of like figure out a new way at least I did um to approach life and so to me it's like there's something very powerful about being in that Evan spot obviously it's a much bigger more like um you know messy dramatic thing than some of us get into but it's like that idea of being at that time of your life where you're like okay if i can just keep it all together if i can just keep this story about myself straight then i'll be good you know and it's like but there's no way you're gonna make it through life on that there's no way he's gonna he's with zoe he's with this family anyway i'm getting ahead of myself but Uh, that's what i love about it that's a good segue though into talking (laughs) about (laughs) our topic which is dear evan hansen and uh yeah i usually just like to start with our experiences with the show um which mm-hmm. you've kind of already started talking about but yeah like when did you first see it and what was your mm-hmm. experience with it yeah so i had heard about um 
Pasek and Paul. But so I went in sort of with the, what I like to have is sort of ca- cautiously optimistic. And um, I think I just heard enough about it. And I'd heard people saying, oh, there's these teenagers are seeing the show 20 times or something. And it was like, oh, you know, okay, well, that that's intriguing to me. You know, like a show that people really love. You know, I heard that about Passing Strange. I heard that about Taboo, which I never saw. But it was just like, that, that's cool. Like, I want to I wanna know, like, what's up, you know? Um, with that, I heard it about Rent. I, I didn't, I'm not a huge Rent fan, but you know, anything that inspires that kind of passion, I, I'm interested in. So, so then my friend had done some work. She's a, she's a tailor and she does fittings and she had done some pro bono work for some Broadway event and she had been given house seats. I mean, the, you know, we purchased them, but she had the ability to get some house seats. So we bought tickets and four of us went and we had really great seats and it was Ben Platt. And, um, it just, the, the end of up through act one, at the end of act one, I was cry. I cried like through the whole second half of you will be found. And I got up just being like, wow. I was like, how are they going to untie this? Like how, you know, I can't imagine how they're going to get through this. And I realized in sort of reviewing Dear Evan Hansen and watching the movie and stuff like I, when I say I love that show, I kind of love the first act. Like I, I do love the first act, but it's the second act. And honestly, I'm a little bit like this with Wicked. There's nothing, there's not much in the second act of either of those shows that lives up to the like journey up to the climax of the first act for me. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's a lot of little plot points in the second act of Wicked that I just don't really care about too much. Um, it's all about the relationship between Kalinda and Alphaba for me. And yeah. so I love for good at the end, but the whole thing of like, Oh, she gets together with Fierro and Oh, that's how the, what, the, the lion became the like, I don't, I just, that's like a little party trick as far as I'm concerned. Right. I don't, it doesn't, that doesn't really get me, but it's, it's all the emotional stuff about the two of them. So with Dear Evan Hansen, I do agree. Well, I'll see. This is why I'm really curious to hear what you think, because I'm not sure. I'm not sure I've gotten the full argument against it from people. I've just, but I was really surprised. Okay. So you're asking me about my experience with the show. So I'll just tell you the next part, which is, so I saw it. I loved it. One of the few shows I went home, I almost never do this. Even with shows I like, I bought the, the cast recording and just started listening to it and listened to those songs over and over again. The like the main ones that I love, you know, which are like, you will be found, um, uh, you know, whatever, for forever, and um, whatever the first one is, these things, uh, waving through a window. Mm-hmm. But the other thing I love about that show is that even some of the songs that aren't those huge moments, I think are so well done, like um, How to Break in a Glove or whatever, There's a Right Way. And they cut that from the movie, and I'm really surprised, because to me, that's so part of the message of the show, mm-hmm. which is that the dad, without realizing it, is telling him, like, there's a right way to do things and you can't take shortcuts. And of course, Evan has taken this shortcut. He, right. He's, he's, he's cheated his way into all the stuff without having to like earn it. And it's not real and he's not going to get to keep it, you know. And though this method isn't easy, every second that you spend is going to pay off. It'll pay off in the end. It just takes a little patience takes a little time, a little perseverance, and a little uphill climb. You might not think it's worth it, you might begin to doubt, but you can't take any shortcuts. 
You gotta stick it out And it's the hard way But it's the right way The right way To break in a glove With something like this You gotta be ready to put in the work And make the commitment So what do you think? I mean, definitely But so I think that song is so great I think Anybody Have a Map is, is a great opening number Yeah um, the only song I like actively don't like in the show is um, "Good for You." I just feel like it's very kind of mm-hmm. I don't know if you know, but they cut that from the movie too. But um, but anyway, so then I went to a party with a bunch of musical theater friends from BMI, <laughs> and it was like a "Bring your music, we're gonna sing along" type of party. And I brought Dear Evan Hansen and a couple other things, books. You know, it was like everyone's just gonna sing around the piano. And so we did like we just played through like two or three songs, and someone, a friend, and I like all these people. But well, a friend like came up to the piano and was like, okay, that's enough, guys. Like It was kind of like, enough with Dear Evan Hansen. Everyone was just like, I hate that show. I don't want to hear it. Nobody oh, wow. said that, but that was the vibe. was like, ew, like who farted kind of. It was just like, we don't want that show at our party. So I'll start at the beginning, which is where I, I saw Dear Evan Hansen off-Broadway at Second mm-hmm. Stage Theater, which was also in 2016. I think it opened it off Broadway and on Broadway in the same year. Um, But I never actually saw it on Broadway, but I don't think there was much that changed. I think I, when it ended and like, I felt like the audience and this was like a much smaller theater, you know, off Broadway, but, but I just felt like such a reaction from the audience. And I was like, I was like, okay, like, I think this show is for other people, but it's obviously not for me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because it's just yeah. like, I was like, this is just not a show for me because I just yeah. didn't find anything in it. There's things I can relate to, but just not, it didn't invest me enough in the story. Yeah. Um, but I actually, my biggest thought on the the plot or the story was that my, the most I was interested in it was the very beginning with Evan and Connor like that scene and I was like oh this is like a really interesting relationship that they have in this one scene and then Connor dies Mm -hmm. and I mean he he's back as like a a vision in Evan's mind which is basically even when he's not on stage throughout is is still just like a vision in in Evan's mind whether he's on stage Mm -hmm. or not but I I just remember thinking like oh, like the most interesting relationship in the piece just got cut off like right away. And nothing else in the musical was as interesting to me as that scene. Um, Mm, That's so interesting. So, and that's kind of- I mean, that'll do it. I mean, if you're you're like, oh great, we're going this direction. I know, I thought thought we were going in that direction. And so for me, dear Evan, I always just think like, what if, they Connor maybe he had a suicide attack what if Connor lived what if like dear Evan Hansen was actually like had Connor as like a a not dead character the entire time what would it would be a completely different musical but you could still kind of tackle the same themes in a way not exactly the same but certainly just in my mind like that's what I think about <laughs> with Dear Evan Hansen, like where would this have gone if they made that relationship the main relationship? Yeah. It's interesting that you say that because I think I knew 
before I went that it was about, you know, a kid who commits suicide and another kid who pretends to be his friend. I think mm-hmm. I knew just that. Because to me, that was kind of the hook, you know? Yeah. It was like, oh, you know. So I don't think I had, to me, I'm almost positive because I think what that, where I was in those beginning scenes was sort of appreciating how, what I thought was how deftly they sort of set up this whole book scenario, you know, and how believably they, you know, what could have been really labored um, of like, how did the letter, it it all was like, like kind of worked like clockwork, you know, he's, he's writing himself the letters that was believable, you know, like what's really a plot device is we got to get this letter into his pocket to me felt very organic. And I love that. I mean, I'm a huge fan of, um, you know, watching the first 10 minutes of things and Mm -hmm. just putting it on pause. If it's a movie and just being like after 10 seconds, 30 seconds, like what do we know and how do we know it? You know? And I love just being like, how did they get us all this information so quickly and making it and where everything is doing two or three things. It's not doing one thing. You know, it's like the the letter is going to, be the connection to Connor, but it's also letting us see how troubled he is, excuse me, because he's, you know, having to write letters himself. It's also letting us see how his mom doesn't really understand, but she's trying. So we, mm-hmm. you know, we don't think she's a bad person. Like, I just thought they packed so much into those first 10 minutes really smartly, especially for a musical that's not an adaptation. Yeah, no, um, I, I definitely agree with that. And to me, I, I think it's just like that spinning of the lie is just that dramatic question of like what's going to happen with this is just I'm just not invested in that yeah um and I I mean I do agree that with the criticism that he gets kind of uh, he gets let uh let off the hook at the end I I do agree with that that doesn't that is not how I I, that was not how I left the show being mad about that I think just because of my other questions about it but i I do agree with that i think the film actually they tried to address that and i appreciated that (laughs) in the movie but um like i actually liked the whole scene where he's like trying to get to know like who actually was connor but i guess that goes Mm -hmm. back to my whole like that's the most interesting relationship in the movie or in the in the you know script story in the story when i saw the show i left it being like, I love that. And I also completely rewrote the ending in my mind. Like, I felt like I have a much better version of the ending because I 100% agree that they um, did not really deliver on the, like, the promise of the end of that first act. That feeling of like, oh, my God, how is this going to resolve itself and still be a musical and not be, like, horribly depressing, you know, mm-hmm. because really someone who does that, who does what he did, whether he did it, whether you can understand him or not, when you become a hero like that, I think, and I've read, uh, I've read, a, there's a book called, I think it's called something like, so you've been shamed on the internet or something like that. And it's a guy, a guy wrote a book just about people who've been, you know, shamed on the internet. But um, he, when you like get built up by sort of the internet mob and we're all kind of, I'm a part of it, you know, when, when that sort of mob feels betrayed, like it's not going to be pretty and you're not going to be able to end a musical in a neat way. Like that's going to ruin his life for a long time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And, and um, I feel like they're not going to do that. So I just felt like the way they ended the show on Broadway was really undramatic and kind of unsatisfying and felt like they pulled a punch mm-hmm. because it felt like they let him off the hook because I felt like they, but I thought, and I, and I 
So I walked away thinking like, okay, here's how I would end it, which I, I always like doing this. But I would end it like, um, you know, I think they could have acknowledged just how bad what he did was. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can reveal it to the public because I think then you have to have him go through something that we're not really going to show. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I agree. Just to interject, like, yeah, the whole, like, he has to like tell the world that he's sorry that I mean I just feel like that you don't need that part of it like that doesn't that doesn't do anything yeah and the world's not gonna really most people aren't gonna take that apology they're gonna want to see him disappear or get you know yeah you know follow the trajectory of a disgraced celebrity you know um in some way and now he's got a drug problem or something yeah and I think that gets into how which you know we can talk about in a bit, but that gets into how the whole like social media world is being used in the show in general. But yeah, sorry, go on with um, your, <laughs> with my ending. ending. Yeah. <laughs> well, no. So I think he should, um, and I may be confusing some things with the movie now, because it's been a long time and I can't quite remember like in the, in the play, does he get in the musical, he gets found out, right? He doesn't confess to the family. Does he like, he gets, oh. I can't remember. But oh anyway, God. the family finds out. I don't yeah. remember. Maybe I'm wrong about that. So they find out. And this is like a horrible thing, right? They're probably going to want to sue him or something. Like, it's it's like not good at all. It's a yeah. total betrayal, but perfect for a musical or an opera or something. And so what I think is when they have that final scene at the orchard, where I think in the original one, they kind of have the dedication to, of the orchard is, is kind of one of the final scenes, I think. I could mm-hmm. be making this up in my head. But um I think you need to have a scene. And I remember one of our teachers, Jack Rattel, used to always say, like, at the end of a lot of musicals, the second to last scene is where the sort of protagonist and antagonist finally face each other and kind of hash it out and decide whether this was all worth it kind of thing. That was how he described it. So I feel like some reason I picture it with the dad and Evan, because they were the one who had that bond over the glove and he kind of became Evan's dad, the, the you know, Connor's dad, who I don't remember him being the stepdad. I don't know if that was a change. That was a change in the movie. movie. Yeah. So anyway, I I remember being his dad. I'm not sure what they get or his gain by making him a stepdad, but so they, um, I think they hash it out. Like after the family, after they've all gotten to tell him, you know, they put him through it. Like that's the punishment is like you, you know, they get to say everything they need to say to him. You're disgusting. You know, I can't believe you, whatever it is, you know, and, and he doesn't apologize yet. You know, he apologizes, but it's not enough because there's really nothing he can say that's going to be enough for what he just did to them, you know? And so I think, because what, okay, so then with the dad, basically there's this question of like the dad's going to speak at the thing and he's, and, and Evan's going to speak. And is the dad going to tell everybody that Evan is a fraud? And you don't know. And so they have a big talk and Evan gives his side of it where he basically says, I just, you know, you, I, I never had a fan, I never had a dad or, you know, you, you, even though it's not a, it's not a excuse, it breaks through the humanity a little bit for the dad and, you know, of like, and the dad basically then goes up to give the speech and we as the audience don't know what he's going to say. And we don't know whether he's going to, by all rights, he's, he should tell everybody that Evan's a fraud, you know, like they should go through with their plan to like disgrace him. But the dad gives a speech that to the audience in the show at the orchard dedication here's as you know basically it's about everybody needs hope and everybody needs you know and and that's what evan gave them and then rob he doesn't say this 
But and then Evan robbed it away from them. So they were doubly robbed. Basically, they lost their son and then they got their son back kind of through Evan. And then they had him robbed again because it turned out none of that was true. And that's horrible. And so the dad gives a speech and basically makes the decision that he's not going to tell the world that Evan's a fraud because if you boil it down, a beautiful lie is better than being robbed of hope again kind of Mm -hmm. thing. And that maybe that's a little bit devicey but it allows for you to not so then evan has to get up there and give a speech knowing that he's been undeservedly spared and he gives another speech which is sort of his you know which is playing his role as the savior and friend of connor who did this orchard but he know he's gonna now have we know he's gonna have to go live with like how he's gonna have to break in a glove the right way this time you know like he can't he's gonna have to learn how to be a man and life is hard and you don't always have the father that you want, but you can't be doing what you did, even if right. we understood it at the time a little bit because they, they ease him into it in such a way that you can kind of go along with it. Yeah. Wait, so that is your ending. That's my ending. <laughs> That's your ending. Yeah. That's yeah. how I would have ended it on Broadway. Yeah. 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 So like the, the, what... the public doesn't find out because that's yeah. too, too... Because bad for a musical like you know that that, then they basically throw them to the lions we're not going to see that through what so but what really happens in the show is that they i feel like they just sort of forgive him too easily like if they don't tell i feel like in the show and i could be misremembering this because i only saw it once but like um i feel like in the show the family is just sort of like yeah that was bad i feel like they don't tell the world i think like i don't the world finds out in the show no, I don't think so either. And I and I think they do that. The family kind of forgives him. And I think that's what pisses – that's what feels unsatisfying. The family doesn't really – it doesn't honor the destruction of, like, what he did to them enough. Right. And it feels like he's getting off the hook. Whereas I think the family should keep it a secret not to spare him necessarily, but to spare the world from losing another hopeful moment. Mm-hmm. So that it's like Evan – is going to have to learn what he's going to have to learn. And he knows that he's being spared, not because he deserves it, but because, you know, this, this thing there, he's getting grace. He's getting mercy that he doesn't necessarily deserve, but it's, it's because the dad can't bear to rob the rest of the world the way he's been doubly robbed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's sort of what, not bear, but he's going to play, he's going to give people a beautiful lie for lack of a better word. I feel like it might be a cliche, but he's going to, he's going to let people continue to live with a beautiful lie rather than say you got to hear the truth because it's too messy and it's too sad to tell the to tell the truth the whole truth yeah that's my Um, take on it you're you're correct in that uh, he does admit to them in the show that he he did that so that is correct and then the ending in the show is also i guess similar to the movie in that it's the two zoe and him in the orchard um, right, but in the, but in the movie he tells the world right and the, in the movie it differs yeah. in that he yeah. like makes that uh video and like puts it out there right. i guess because um when the letter was posted online and goes right. viral but the, now did that happen in the play too i can't remember that yeah. in the musical did the letter get posted yes um okay. it does and the letter gets posted and the that's what and the the public the social media public turn like turns against like, turns against yeah. the family the family um, right 
Yeah, which kind of doesn't quite make sense to me. Yeah. I mean, I guess what what in social media land and uh, people's reaction to things does make sense. But like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I've it feels a little convenient. It feels mm-hmm. like uh, in the movie especially, and I don't remember, I may have forgiven it in the musical, uh, but it it feels like what I call spinning the plates. Like you can feel the writer go, oh, we need to, we you know, we need to keep these, Mm-hmm. This dramatic energy up. So, what's the next permutation of this of these characters in this scenario? You know what I'm saying? It just feels a little artificial. Yeah, um, and me. I guess that's why they added that in the movie that he makes that confession on his Instagram because it's like otherwise he'd let like the world hate this family, right? But I guess that See, goes into yeah. just, and we can talk about like just the role social media is playing in this musical and like, does it like, I, and I guess this is part of like how invested I am in this story is like, how invested am I in the fact that social media hates this family? You know, like, <laughs> right. you're saying you're not that invested. No, I'm right? not because yeah. social media is like, what is that? Like, especially right. in when you're watching a show in a theater Right. Like social media is such a part of our world all the time and I use it all the time. But when I'm right. in the theater and I'm like watching people on stage, you know, I mean, movies too, although less so because, but like in a theater with people, right. I, I don't care about social media. Right. <laughs> no, I agree. Well, I guess why it works for me in you will be found when they're all, because it's because they are a stand in for us wanting to believe and wanting to like needing a, a feel good story, needing a tragedy, right. to have, like a silver lining when the audience, when the social media world turns on the family and I don't feel like I'm turning on the family and why right. would you turn on the family? Then I'm like, this is a device now. It's no longer representing me because I'm, I'm not someone who, well, I, you know, I, I guess I, I think of myself as someone who doesn't like turn on people that I don't know. You know what I mean? But, um, Hopefully I don't turn on people I do know, but like, I, I don't, I know I participate in some ways, even just, uh, in the social media machine, but I just think that I, I understand what's poignant about you will be found is that it touches in on, on my need to want to believe in goodness. And I usually Mm -hmm. don't, when people post those feel good stories, I usually roll my eyes because I know how shallow they are and how kind of. Right. And you know, well, and to me, it feels a little, there's something fake about it in a way in which, which, yeah. this, uh, which this clearly shows that there is something fake about this one too, but there, right. there does feel like there's something fake about it. Um, but I think if you're in a no. certain state, like the, like Connor's family, um, they were in a state where they needed, they needed to believe something. Um, yes. And, but I'm not sure, like, like, I'm not, like, I personally am not in that state. So I'm not in that, I'm not there ready to believe, like, so I'm not the audience right now. Right. You know? Well, and I, as I was watching the movie and listening to the the cast recording, I was, um, I was like, this, this play has a lot of my favorite themes in it. And I'm not, so I see why, you know, that thing of wanting to believe that you can be something other than you are 
mm-hmm. wanting to think you can just, which is what I love about Glinda in Wicked. You know, she's just like, just, just do what people, just be who they want you to be, you know, and then they love you. And there's that little moment later where she's like, uh, you know, kind of a thing that gets lost, you know, a bridge you crossed and you didn't even know you crossed it. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's like, it, it's all that thing of like, and I don't know the whole story of Bluebeard's castle, but it's that thing of like, you can live in this castle. Just don't look in that one, you know, door, you know? And I guess isn't the story of Blue, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like Evan can just, and maybe you have to have grown up as a person who had a ton of denial in their life, you know, or who, who had a lot of unmanageability and denial and kept trying to keep it together and like just thinking, well, if other people think I'm okay, then I'll be okay. Right. That's, so that's like a huge theme for me personally. So when right. I see a show that seems to dramatize that, and I do love, you know, it reminds me a little bit of a movie that I really like a lot, um, although I haven't always liked Neil LeBute, but I, the, his first movie in The Company of Men, it, it's like, it's a rough movie, but it's about, you have the one, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie, but I, haven't, um, no. I mean, the, the premise is two guys at work as a bet decide to seduce this woman who is deaf. Like she, she's hearing, she can't hear, she's hearing impaired. Mm-hmm. And um, so you hear that and you're like, oh my God, you know, and they just do it as a joke to see, you know, but one of the guys played by Aaron Eklund is just kind of truly evil. Like he just doesn't care. Like yeah. he thinks it's funny. He doesn't care at all. The other guy is, is weak and he's like the, you know, he, he wants to be cool. He wants to be, and he's kind of like, to me, Evan is not evil, but Evan is weak, you know, yeah. and, and weak's a real word. I don't mean it like, oh, you got to be strong, but like, we're all weak, you know, yeah. he's free. And so it's like, um, you know, I don't think I would ever do something like what Evan did. I can pretty comfortably say I wouldn't, but can I do something on a smaller, more real life version of it, did I do things like that? Did I say things to try to come across a certain way? And I think the way they, I love thing I like about it is they structure it. It reminds me a little bit of Breaking Bad. I don't know if you like that show, but I haven't um, seen it actually. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's a similar, yeah. <laughs> it's a similar thing where you, you, you want someone who's going to do something really bad and yeah. you want to, but you have to get them into it in a way where the audience isn't going to go, check out you want the audience to go along every step of the way go i could see myself maybe taking that little step you know and like and in breaking bad if you watch the way they do the the they um i mean over six seasons he goes from being a likable if kind of put upon you know high school chemistry teacher to being a monster not just a drug dealer he's an actual monster by the end you know Mm -hmm. and um in breaking bad and like i mean but they take you there so that you go through with him and suddenly so that you're you are now a monster kind of you know I and mean, that's like the fun of that ride it's a it's a haunted house a little bit and i think evan kind of does that too like it's not like he sits at home and goes hey you know what if i lie about this right i've got a plan you know it's like the family actually misinterprets it like i was i'm you know, watch that scene where he's with the family and like he get, he has no idea what's going on. And they're like, we have this note. And I and they they want it's like they also like have some role in this. Like they all they want something from him that he he's 17 years old who and going yeah. through a lot of stuff that and he's like, I'm like, this kid is not equipped for this situation. Like, he yeah. is not he yes. like this is not going to end well and it's not entirely his fault here but i think then go where it goes 
wrong is like that he that yeah that he like gives into it after like at first he's kind of like you know i i guess that you know that note was in his pocket sure like yeah mm. that's me that's my name you know <laughs> like yeah. confirming these things that are true and then like but then he like i guess because he like you know these emotional needs that he's not getting like also he sees in them like this need like to give them this i think too yeah. and obviously mm. that's where things kind of go wrong like you shouldn't do that but he's 17 but um yeah and i and i think that also like where i see it is like it's coming out like in the songs like these these stories you know these fabrications mm. he's doing it's mm. like coming out in these you know the the i forget song names but like the <laughs> <laughs> where he's talking for about forever for forever the perfect day yeah. you know which yeah. like if you listen to the like i cannot imagine how anybody would believe that the mm. way he's describing that right story that yeah. with knowing like even from the small glimpse we have of connor like yeah. that that would be what right. actually happened end of may or early june this picture perfect afternoon we share Drive the winding country road Grab a scoop at a la mode And then we're there An open field that's framed with trees We pick a spot and shoot the breeze Like buddies do Quoting songs by our favorite bands Telling jokes no one understands Except us two And we talk and take in the view all we see is sky for forever We let the world pass by for forever Feels like we could go on for forever this way Two friends on a perfect day about the things we'll do when we get out of school <laughs> bike the Appalachian Trail or write a book or learn to sail wouldn't that be cool there's nothing that we can't discuss like girls we wish would notice us but never do he looks around and says to me there's nowhere else I'd rather be and I say me too and we talk and Take in the view. We just talk and take in the view. They are so primed to believe it. And also, it's coming out in this beautiful, amazing song where we're like, we know it's a lie, but we're like, yeah. it's beautiful. Like, yeah. <laughs> and that's like one of the things that, you know, we talk about like how musical theater can like use songs to, to seduce you. Yes. And like that, I think, is, is, is kind of what's happening where yeah. um the people are primed to believe it but also he i not in like i don't think he's like it's not he's not harold hill like he's not intentionally right. using song to right. like trick people it's just coming out that way for for whatever reason yeah i think 
And I think it's a really delicate balance that they have to walk because I think if they make it too much that it's put upon him, then he doesn't have any responsibility. And mm-hmm. you're like, oh, this bad thing just happened to this guy. Nobody believed him. He was he was practically trying to tell them it wasn't true, but they wouldn't, you know. But if you make it all him, that if you make him scheming, like nobody, you know, like, like an alternate scenario, you know, like I said earlier, you know, he sits at home and he goes, hey, I noticed that when people die, you know, the people who knew them get popular. I'm not popular. This is what I'm going to do. And he types up a letter. You know what I mean? Like nobody would, you know, that would be a completely different thing. Then he's like Iago or something. And I felt like in the film, there were times when the balance was a little off in terms of like, oh, it feels like this is just being done to him. And it doesn't feel like he's really responsible in order to be strong and be a, a grown up, or whatever the word is, you know, to, yeah. to kind of be a man or a woman in this world, you need to learn how to like do the hard things and you got to break in the glove the right way. And he did not, you know, but we understand because like you said he's 17 and he's not equipped to do this, but we were all 17 once. So we understand right. that too. And you have to so. go through these kind of situations. Like this is a very, like this situation is not common, but like have, being in a, generally a situation where it's like, you're like, not sure how to handle like yeah and I think you have to go through a lot of them to like figure out how you're going to handle them and Mm -hmm. this was just like a very his first one was just very public (laughs) and very uh, (laughs) and like very large and intense (laughs) yeah which I also think is a really interesting thing about child youth because you reach a certain age, I feel like, where you kind of uh, snap out of your childhood coping mechanisms. Or not snap out of them, but realize they don't work for you anymore, maybe. Mm-hmm. Not everybody does this. But but uh, let me put it this way. You wake up, kind of, and you look back on your childhood, and you think, and it's kind of like, thank God it wasn't worse. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, thank God. I, when, you, when I look at the way I acted and the things I did and the, that I thought I knew everything and all that stuff, it's kind of like, you know, there, but for the grace of God, go I Like, what if you were that kid who, you know, I don't know, like on a dare did rob a bank or something, you know what I mean? I, it's, you know what I'm saying? Like, what if you had done something that you couldn't, that you wouldn't be forgiven for, you right. know what I mean? And um, it's so, you know, if you can say, oh, some 17 year old who did some horrible thing is just a bad person. But I think plays are all about saying like what that person we all think not they're not all about but you know there's that's a pretty common thing in plays like that person we think is a monster right you know what if what if they were a human being like what would that look like what if i actually led you to believe that maybe you could have done this something similar or maybe you already did do something similar but you just got away with it because it didn't turn out the same way you know or some of the challenges for me some of the things about the story and the setup just worked better in the play like mm-hmm. with that unit set where you kind of just swept from one moment to the next and you only kind of see what you need to see just to make just to keep you on that mind path that they want you on whereas i feel like in the movie it's so it's such an interesting thing the two different mediums it's like it's mm-hmm. just i didn't you know i don't know um the movie felt a little bit more real yeah and it's harder to sell you know something sometimes i think I liked what you said in that earlier about, I think it was um, just the experience of like going through the world, pretending just something about yourself and Mm. just the, the anxiety of like, when are, 
like when is everybody going to find out (laughs) kind of thing and well well I don't think that was exactly my experience I feel like that is that that feels like a a good way to to think about Dear Evan Hansen and like how relatable relatable it is for people and um and of course like people who have lost family members and going through that as well yeah well i and i think like there's something about something i'm really interested in too is like that thing of like this is gonna sound weird but it's like when you're dead but you don't know it yet like when fate when you're like you're 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 kind of screwed mm-hmm. but you don't know it or you or it had just the other shoe hasn't dropped yet there's something about that that's so dramatic to me and it it reminds me a little bit of there's a moment in Brokeback Mountain where they first sleep together mm-hmm. Heath Ledger and Jake Gyllenhaal's character and the next scene is they're up in the mountains and the next scene is um I forget the character's name but Heath Ledger's Ennis he's on his horse and he's just like riding along and you're like Oh, his whole world has just changed and he, and it's incompatible with how he wants to see himself in the world and wants to be in the world, mm-hmm. but he can't, but he can't, it's, it's now it just doesn't fit anymore. Like he's, he's found this other part of himself that is completely at odds with this, with who, how he wants to identify. And so now it's like, it's not that he's, um, unfortunately he does die in the movie, but it's not necessarily a physical death, but it's like something's got to be reconciled, you know, yeah. somewhere. And and what makes it dramatic to me is like similar to the end of the Act One of Dear Evan Hansen. It's like how is he going to reconcile this? He can't, yeah. you know. What I mean? And and unfortunately, I feel like they did pull a punch a little bit and kind of reconcile it in a way that didn't feel earned, which I think is what some people feel. I think people tend to view it in if not political, like social terms, I kind of view it in just dramatic terms. Mm-hmm. But um, I think dramatically, I understand why people are harping. Like when someone says about a musical, you know, well, um, he should have just gone to jail. It's like, they're not, what they're telling me is they didn't like the show. Like they didn't get on board with the jail? show. because they, That's harsh. <laughs> <laughs> well, or whatever, like, like, you know, or if you don't get on the ride, if it's not for you, like you said, then it's like, that's just a fact. Well, let's, um, let's move on to talking about, uh, you will be found specifically, uh, as you know, we talked a a bunch about it already, but you picked this for the, why is this so good section? So, um, why did you pick this for? Why is this so good? I feel like I've covered a lot of it, but I (laughs) just think, um, I love the music in this show. Mm-hmm. I love that it's so guitar. They found, I think the challenge with musical theater is how to find a musical language that is expressive and can tell a story that lets you have lyrics that can kind of be heard and um, and also uh, feels contemporary. Like I feel like they they updated, they kind of brought us up to date in some ways into the kind of Ed Sheeran, John Legend world, mm-hmm. which I really appreciated because I think it's a hard thing to do on Broadway. It was sort of the same time that Hamilton was bringing us up to date sort of in hip hop on Broadway. And they did it in a different, little more subtle way. It wasn't like, um, but they just, there's something about their melodies and their chord progressions and the way they write that just feels a little more like something you'd hear on a, on the radio, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, and I love that. Um, and it's hard. I just think it's really hard to do. And so I just really liked the songs. Um, I love that song. 
I, again, like I said, I love that the whole message is, is all a lie. I don't know why I love that so much, but it's like, it's, it's, um, it says something so much about life, about, about, um, how tempting it is to go with fantasy, to go into fantasy because mm-hmm. how hard it is to look at reality yeah. and how in a way it's not that different than somebody who like uses drugs. You know, it's like you, you know, you're a heroin addict or whatever, you're an alcoholic, you sober up, you look around you and you're just like, Oh my God, you know, and you just start drinking again, even though the, the fantasy, the, the escape is doing more harm than staying in, you know, in reality and like facing your problems. It's so, it feels so much better to go into the escape. And I think that's where the, like, you will be found. It's like, they just managed to make the escape feel so good. Mm -hmm. And, um, and you know, what's coming and that's what makes it bitter sweet. You know, that's to me, that's what makes it kind of devastating. You're like, this is unsustainable. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's like a much more emotional version of like one short day in Wicked. Mm. You know, it's like, it's just like, I love that moment because they finally come together as friends and they have this, you know, they, they, they were set up to hate each other. They had their whole thing and then they finally got on the same page and then it's just, that's going to last a second and then they're going to be torn apart forever, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's kind of what this is to me. It's like, he finally managed to get everything he thought he wanted and yet, it's none of it. It's all, it's none of it is, is what it really is. Cause it's all a lie. And so that's why I love the emotion of it. Have you ever felt like nobody was there? Have you ever felt forgotten in the middle of nowhere? Have you ever felt like you could disappear? Like you could fall and no one would hear? Well, let that lonely feeling wash away Maybe there's a reason to believe you'll be okay Cause when you don't feel strong enough to stand You can reach, reach out your hand And oh, someone will come running And I know they'll take you home Even when the dark comes crashing through When you need a friend to carry you And when you're broken on the ground You will be found So let the sun come streaming in Cause you'll reach up and you'll rise again Lift your head and look around You will be found 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 
but then just the production of that song, the arrangement, the way it builds, you've got like this gospel chorus of everybody coming in and then you've got the people writing like, you know, the, the little comments of like, he's only 17 years old, like so wise. And so to me, that brings us all into it. Like I said, it's like, you know, we are that internet chorus who wants to believe that mm-hmm. this is, a, you know, one good thing, you know? Yeah. So that's I mean, where the social media comes into play there for me. I definitely related to the good feeling of social media likes. Um, <laughs> and I liked how in the film, I mean, I think they did this with projections in the show. I'm not remembering exactly, but like the, like seeing, being able to see. Yes, the, kind of scroll up on the sides a yeah. little bit, but kind of in air. They created a kind of a depth to it, which was cool. Yeah. So just, yeah. Um, you know, like what it feels like to have strangers agree with you online. Yeah. <laughs> a feeling that shouldn't feel as good as it does. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's very well said. Um, and I definitely like am susceptible to that, not to go like create a story and create a lie, but just to be right. susceptible to the feeling like, oh, this feels so good. People agree with people are listening to me. People hear me. I'm like yeah. a part of the conversation. No, but I get that when I post something, I'm trying to be like, I'll try to be funny to post a funny post. Yeah. I'm like counting those little laughing emojis. And I'm just like, not in like, just because I'm like, I made a room full of people laugh, you know, like, it's like, it's virtual, but it's like, that's right. 25 people, you know, right. and but it, here's a way you can actually like count like yeah you have now we have data on how many people are interacting and liking and you know i love data so here we go it's so interesting and i never thought about it that way and it's like i love that you like that thing on social media like how good it feels and evan's not feeling that goodness at all it's hollow even if it was earned yeah it still doesn't sustain you my favorite part of the song, I guess, is when the that bridge, the out of the shadows, the morning yeah. is breaking and all is... I mean, musically, I love that yes, section. But I, it's interesting lyrically. I'm wondering what you think about what the lyrics are talking about there. I guess, yeah. yeah, what does that mean, you will be found? And then how does that contrast with all is... Or how does that relate to all is new, all is new? I mean, this is a rare show, I feel like, that, and Passing Strange is a little bit like this too, and actually Hedwig, but mm-hmm. those are both shows that have like a performative aspect where their songs are musical theater songs, but they're also kind of rock songs. But like, this yeah. is a rare Broadway show where it has that kind of a little bit of poetic vagueness that like pop songs have mm-hmm. that I, but I go with it and I yeah. like it, you know, like, like in Zoe's song when she's like, um, the kingdom falls and you know like there's they do this in these songs they have this kind of verse chorus and then they go to these like dream bridges almost you know where like sometimes it's like you know and and they take it they take kind of a left turn like when you're deep in it you know and um i just kind of love them because they again musically it is such an interesting moment i love that moment but to me 
it's it's like you will be found is obviously like you're left dying you know you're not dying he's got a broken arm he's by himself yeah turns out later that we find out he he just let himself fall because he doesn't you know he's so depressed yeah and then which i don't really remember from the play but i, I think it probably is in the play but um whatever but he admits that you know he kind of let it happen yeah. um yeah, yeah but um but to me it's less that part detail I feel like it's supposed to be like an aha moment. It's less important to me than he was lying on the ground with no one to come pick him up, you know, and mm-hmm. nobody there. He has nobody in that very real physical way that, you know, sometimes people who are all alone when they finally realize like, I'm going to die here in my apartment and no one's going to even find, me. you know, like that's kind of can be an aha moment for people because it's, it's made so real. And I think he, so to me, you'll be found is like literally, you know, you'll be found on the ground, mm-hmm. but also, you know, it's like you'll be seen for the first time and you'll find your place in the world. Right. And in a way, on the surface story, he's finding it. He's he's an activist now. He's a suicide prevention, you know, Connor project. Like he is finding his role. He's leading teenagers out of isolation. He's helping people get through their day. Like he's becoming a he's becoming something. And then all is new to me is just that promise of getting rid of your old life and just, you know, faking, you know, that you can just start over again and, you know, have it be new and have a dad that you never had who teaches you how to break in a baseball glove and have a mom who cooks for you, who isn't too busy and who isn't, you know, and I mean, there's that socioeconomic thing where it's like, that's part of the dream a little bit. It's not a critique on his mom. His mom's doing the best she can. She's amazing. But like, this other family just has the resources to be at home and have family dinner and all that stuff. And it's like, that's part of the fantasy for him was having a traditional family. And I mean, it's a little weird that then his, his sort of fantasy sister is also his fantasy girlfriend, but like having the girl, I mean, I don't think that's supposed to be weird. I don't think it's, I think I'm probably overthinking it, but I did notice it in the movie. I'm like, okay, she's kind of playing two roles here in his family. He's getting his wife and his family or his girlfriend, and his family, but, but you know that's it's all it's everything he's ever wanted. He's wanted this girl who he couldn't even talk to. And I also think what is so brilliant about the show, or one the thing they did was like, if you want a show about a kid who's socially shut down, mm-hmm. it's like that's a hard person to be at the center of a musical. And I think if I were to start to write that musical, I'd be like, I wouldn't be able to write it because I'd be like, well, he's really shut down. So what? what yeah. What's he gonna sing? And what they did is they they showed you very clearly how he can't, he's got this huge emotional world inside him and these yeah. songs are huge, but he, but that's, but then it's like the, the, the shutters close and he can't get the words out past his mouth and he's waving through a window, you know, he's mm-hmm. locked behind it, which I just thought was really awesome because he's, the, he's, he's not, you know, he's not some big musical theater like person, you know, he's, he's a guy who can't communicate. Yeah. So he's not really communicating when he sings those big songs. Right. Um, even in You Will Be Found, it's he's not performing for that crowd. We're hearing his like inner you know, soul. The, we're hearing it. I yeah, think. I guess. Or like he does make an inspiring speech, I guess. He does. He does. But I think that's, I don't know. It's a good point. But I think... Um, inspiring in the way that it's courageous i don't know i don't i don't see him if we could see that speech without it being a song mm-hmm. i think he'd still be like you know looking down and shaking and you know like maybe looking up and being like you know what i mean yeah. i don't i don't see him transforming and suddenly giving like a ted talk you know right. as it goes along like i just think he's still evan and i think that's 
the kind of thing we love on the internet is the person who is, who is um, the underdog, who's actually the hero. You know, it's this like, you know, the person who is looked down upon, who mm-hmm. actually contains the real wisdom. And- Even when the dark comes crashing through, when you need someone to carry you. in the movie too even though i don't like the movie as much i still it still got me yeah i don't have anything else to say about it cool well <laughs> believe it or not <laughs> then we can move right along to our final section yeah. uh something uh-huh. wonderful just something in the musical theater world that we are looking forward to or want to give a shout out to um yeah yeah i'm i mean i wrote them down because all the, so i moved to new jersey a couple of years ago almost three years ago and i've kind of been like just hard to get into the city you got little kids and stuff so i've kind of been okay with just being like it's kind of almost a relief to be like i, I don't have to try to keep up yeah. with everything that I, that's happening because it's just and so I, and i felt fine about it but suddenly it seems like there's like a bunch of things that i kind of want to see mostly based on people's reactions to them and hearing the kind of buzz that i'm like oh that's interesting you know and i'm looking at them now and they do seem a little lowbrow to me i'm having that in, little insecurity there but um I've been, and I can't remember all of them, but like White Girl in Danger, mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm optimistic, you know, cautiously optimistic about, which I always like to be, <laughs> um, because I love Strange Loop, and I think Michael Jackson is pretty brilliant. I mean, it sounds weird to say that because it seems like it's not exactly a secret he won the Pulitzer Prize, but like, <laughs> I agree, I agree with the consensus. He's a genius. Um, but um, Shucked, I'm so curious about. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sound like something I would like, <laughs> but it's like. And I don't know whether it's just like a hype machine, but it's getting really good. The things that I'm seeing written about it uh, sound like it's kind of fun, but I don't know. Um, I don't know if I'm going to see any of these. (laughs) Peter Pan Goes Wrong sounds like I'm always looking for like the supremely silly. Like I love something rotten, you Mm -hmm. know? And I feel like if that most of those shows go the other way where they just feel silly for silly sake. But if you can like make it just serious enough, I just, that pure fun type of show. Yeah. And Peter Pan Goes Wrong is striking me as one that might be that. I've seen some people who I, whose opinion I respect say that it's like hilariously funny. I am, I was supposed to see White Girl in Danger this week. My performance got canceled. Yeah, I'm rescheduled, uh, I think, for the following week. So. Okay. Fingers crossed. (laughs) Yeah, I look forward to hearing about it. Uh, But I am looking Uh, forward to seeing that. I just saw Oliver at city center and i just love oh, how was that i love oliver yeah so what else have you seen that you're um that you're excited about um well what i've seen recently is i saw uh michael r jackson's concert at lincoln center theater three mm-hmm. stage three mm-hmm. or whatever they call it um which was really nice um to see him just like him on stage doing his own stuff like because I you know like Michael 
and I were, we weren't in the same, we didn't overlap at NYU, but we were close Mm -hmm. enough that we knew each other. And like my experience with Michael R. Jackson is just like, was, is, is like that. It's like him doing his, him doing his shows. Mm -hmm. And now that he's like, you know, got a much wider audience like and doing all this I'm like oh well I never will I never get that experience again and like here it was right. like <laughs> in the, cool. the audience was very different from what I was right. used to at those old shows there were a lot of Lincoln Center yeah. subscribers but fans fans of his yeah. so like yeah. old old men fans of his you know so I was like yeah. cool we're all here together but yeah so but like a very different audience vibe from what I remember yes. from Michael's shows. Um, but nice to be in that kind of like intimate space with songs that some of them, like I hadn't heard in like many years. Some of them, I don't think I'd ever heard. Um, yeah. So uh, that was really That's nice. And cool. they're, they're doing a whole series Lincoln center of these concerts. Kit Yan and Melissa Lee are this weekend. Next weekend, I'm going to see the Bengsons. Uh, do a, their show, and then there is John Gallagher Jr. the following weekend. So, yeah, it's like they're they're very small space that they do for like newer work. Um, yeah. and this, I guess, in lieu of a new work right now, they're doing this concert series. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Scene to Song. Scene to Song is going on a summer hiatus and will return in late summer or early fall. But stay tuned. In a couple of weeks, I will announce the info for the five-year anniversary live webcast, which will be in late June. If you aren't yet a Patreon subscriber, you can join for as little as $3 a month and hear some great conversations with the guests that didn't make it onto the episodes. If you have a comment or question about an episode or about musical theater, or if you'd like to be a podcast guest, you can write to scenetosong at gmail.com. Love this podcast? Help it find more listeners by rating it on your podcast app and leaving a review. Follow on Instagram at scenetosong, on Twitter at scenesong, and on Facebook at Scenes a Song with Shoshana Greenberg Podcast. The theme music you are hearing is by Julia Meinwald. We'll see you soon in late June. Can't wait to celebrate five years with all of you.